Buenos días. Well, I, some of you speak the heavenly language, right? Well, I used to believe that Spanish is the heavenly language until I met a missionary from Russia. And he said, uh-uh, Spanish is not the heavenly language. Russian is the heavenly language. So I said, can you please tell me why? Well, he said, it's simple. It will take the whole eternity to learn it. So I agree, Spanish is a much easy language to learn. On behalf of my family, on behalf of our church planting ministry with World Witness in Madrid, Spain, we want to give you thanks. Thank you so much for, for your support, for your prayers, for your financial support throughout all these years. Romans 1.8 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Many of you probably cannot be in the front line as full-time missionaries, but we want to give you thanks because of your prayers and financial support because I believe my family is not only my team. We all, one team, serving together, proclaiming the good news far and near. Now, as I think about Spain, less than 1% of the population in Spain consider themselves evangelical Christians. So this is why it's so crucial for our families to share the good news over there. And many of you probably have received this bookmark with your bulletin as an insert. There's a Bible verse on your bookmark. It says in Romans 15:20. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. This was the passion of the Apostle Paul, to preach the good news in places where the gospel has not been preached before, where Christ was not known. So what a blessing we have as a family to preach the good news in a country where less than 1%, 0.5 of the population consider themselves evangelical Christian. For others, this might mean something terrible, but for us, it's wonderful because we see as a wonderful opportunity to share the good news with people that have not heard the gospel before. I was sharing this morning during the Sunday school also a big mission update. It took about 45 minutes to share. So I know probably some of you were not part of the Sunday school, but let me just share with you the four key words that I shared with you this morning during the Sunday school. The four key words that I share with you are very easy to remember. Every word starts with the letter L, so you can remember. Learn, love, link, and launch. So learn. Why learn? When you move to a new place, to a new country, even to a new city, you have to be open to learn. I hope you are open to learn. And this is what our family has done. It. We've been so eager and so willing to learn as much as we can from the, Hispa from the Spaniard culture, from history, so we can be better prepared, and especially to understand why Spaniards act in a particular way, why they reject, why they don't want to know who Jesus is. So that was letter, sorry, the word learn. So it started with the letter L. Number two, love. How do you love these people? How do you love these people that don't want to know who Jesus is? Well, by the strategy we've been using as a family, 
is by having one family at a time in our living room, sharing a meal with them or sharing uh, a Christian movie with them, sharing our time with them, we've been able to start loving them, the Spanish hostess, the Spaniards, and also the international community there. So learn, love, link. During the past six years, we have learned so much that we are very thankful. But just to give you one example, Spaniards, they want to learn English. So your church, we are so thankful. First ARP Rock Hill, you have sent teams to help us to lead an English class. Because the Spaniards, they want to learn English, so we connect English with the gospel, and we share Christ's love through English camps and through other many activities. So that's number three, learn, love, link, and finally, launch. This is where we need with prayers more than ever, because right now we are in the stage of forming our core group, a group of at least 10 families with the same values and passion for church planting. So would you pray for this? Uh, ten families that the Lord will give us in the next year so we can have our core group. And two more prayer requests. Would you pray also that in the near future the Lord provide a place so we can uh, start meeting on a regular basis. We might partner with another missionaries in Spain, but it will be important to have a place so people can start connecting the church that the Lord will establish in Madrid with a place. Would you pray also for a place? And finally, would you pray also for our support? As your pastor mentioned, I'm so thankful for this opportunity to be preaching the Word of God this morning from here. And you've been partnering as a church with us since 2002. We are so thankful. Would you pray that the Lord will continue providing year after year for our needs as missionaries and for the ministry in Spain? So those are the prayer requests. And again, on behalf of my family and church planting ministries, thank you so much for everything you do for us. Now, if you have your Bibles, can you please go to James chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And I will encourage you to, during the whole sermon, to have your Bible open, because we are going to study verse by verse the Word of God. So I will encourage you to please have your Bible open. The title of this sermon is Sharing Christ's Love Through Difficult Times. And I'm going to read the first five verses. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. The timing and the text for this message this weekend is one of those God's appointments. Because we all are going through difficult times nowadays, especially with the pandemic. So my prayer is that as we study the Word of God together, that God will speak to our minds and to our hearts. How do you respond when things are not going well with people at work? 
at a school, family, or people at a grocery store. Your initial reaction during these times reflects who you are. Have you thought about that? The true character of a person is seen when things are not well. Late night phone calls, grouchy teachers, especially nowadays that we have to put our kids in front of the computer, grumpy moms, burnt meals, flat tires. We have to be kidding. Deadlines. They aren't big enough to be crisis, but if you get enough of them, watch out. Traffic jams, long lines, empty mail boxes, dirty clothes on the floor. Maybe the person that you wanted to be the president is not the president of this country. You name it. I have divided this sermon into four key points. Number one, our attitude towards Christ. Number two, the purpose of Christ. Number three, God's help in the midst of trials. And finally, trials are one of God's ways to share His love. Let's pray together and ask God to help us to understand His word. Let's pray. Father, once again, we come before your presence and we give you thanks for the wonderful opportunity to be here together, to listen to you, to know you better, to worship your holy name. Thank you, Father, that as we have come, you already know. As we have come to this place, to your house, you already know what is happening in our lives. You know how sad we, this week, all the difficult times that we have faced during the week. You know specifically what is happening in our families. And Father, I pray as we all go through difficult times in life, maybe today, maybe this week, that you will teach us to understand this morning how important are trials in our life. And I pray that, Father, you will open our spiritual eyes, that you will open our hearts so we can hear your voice this morning. I pray that you will bring peace where there is need of peace. I pray that you will bring joy where there is need of joy. I pray that you will bring help where there is need of help. And once again, thank you for this wonderful opportunity of all of us being here together, worshiping your name and listening to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We all know that this passage is talking about trials, right? But there is a confusion many times about trials. Because many of us think trials are a punishment sometimes. Sometimes we think trials are a temptation. But let me tell you, number one, trials are not a punishment. But many of us, when we are going through difficult times, we, are, we used to say, we say, hey, God, fix the trials. But God is trying to fix something. So trials, number one, are not a punishment. And let me give you two examples. One from the Bible. You know the story of Jonah, right? Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go 
event departures away from the presence of the Lord. Was Jonah being obedient? God told him, hey, go and preach my word. But Jonah was being obedient. If you keep reading in verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What happened to Jonah? He was disobedient, and God punished him. So we, first of all, have to understand, trials are not a punishment. Punishment, the second example is, first, when we break the law of God. But also when we break the law of men. Let's say you're driving, and it's very clear, 50 miles per hour, but you go 100 miles per hour. What is going to happen? The police will stop you. He will give you a ticket, and you will be fired. Right? So trials, number one, are not a punishment. Number two, trials are not a temptation. Many of us, we, when we are tempted, that God is sending us a trial. But it's not true. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 14, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Many of us are confused, and we think trials are a temptation. But remember, trials, number one, are not a punishment, and number two, trials are not a temptation. So now let me share with you a definition and concept of trials. Trials are divine appointments to help us grow so we can become like Jesus. Let me repeat. Trials are divine appointments to help us grow so we can become like Jesus. So number one, my first point, our attitude towards trials, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bible, go to verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. I want to make emphasis here, number one, on the word servant. Because James, he easily could introduce himself in a very proudly way. <clears throat> Listen to me. I am the brother of Jesus, and you need to listen to me. But if we take close attention here, it says, James, a servant. And this word in Greek is doulos, which means when we study that word, a slave. The person that is under orders, the master, this is Christ. And he is following orders of his master. And he is introducing himself in a very humble way. A servant and a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another beautiful thing here is that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are put on the same level. Nowadays, the false sect, like, like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, they deny that Jesus Christ is God. But here we see that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are on the same level, telling us, teaching us that Jesus Christ is also God. 
Another beautiful thing here is that James is telling us the complete name of Jesus. It says, the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is he using this here? Because there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Nowadays, when you watch a movie, you see how badly is used the name of Jesus. And it breaks my heart. But these people don't know, as we know, that there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. And if they will know that, they will stop doing all that and using the name of Jesus in a very bad way. But James says, I consider myself in a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he starts giving us the context. He says, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. So what is the context, my beloved children? What is the context? These people, twelve tribes, means that they were Jews. And because they were Jews, they also professed faith in Christ. And now, as a consequence of that, they were being persecuted. In other words, if the sister professed faith in Christ, and the brother was not a Christian, he will call the authorities and will say, hey, now my sister is a follower of Jesus. In other words, it's very sad, but as a, as the result of persecution, people were dying, killing each other, family against family. On January 9, 1985, Pastor Christo Pulisic a congregational pastor in Liberia, was arrested and put in prison. His crime was that he preached in his church even though the state had appointed another man, the pastor whom the congregation did not elect. His trial was a mockery of justice. And he was sentenced to eight months in prison. During his time in prison, he made Christ known Every way he could. When he got out, he wrote, both prisoners and jailers asked many questions, and it turned out that he had a more fruitful ministry there than he could have expected in church. God was better served by our presence in prison than if we had been What happened here? You might be familiar or not, but in Mexico, in the south part of Mexico, if you profess faith in Christ, you will be persecuted. Nowadays, it's there. Profess faith in Chiapas in Mexico. And you all know that Pakistan, there are more, there are Jews in Pakistan than there are Jews here in North America. My family, we had the blessing of visiting this beautiful country years ago. Because they profess faith in Christ, now many of them are burned alive. They are killed because they have professed faith in Christ. But you know what? That does not stop the advance of God's kingdom. The kingdom continues growing. God's kingdom continues growing. And 
as I said before, we have more ARPs there. They share. Praise the Lord for that. Acts 1 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1 8 also declares, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered through all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And finally, Acts 2.47, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, there was persecution in the primitive church. But what happened? Did the church shrink? The church continued growing. So you see, persecution brings growth in the same way trials. God used, as God used persecution so His church grow, He will use trials in your life so you can grow in your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. So verse 2 now. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now here I want to make emphasis to the word joy. Because joy is more a state of being than an emotion. In other words, it's not like you're laughing outside, but inside you're dying. It's not like that. It's a state of being than an emotion. In other words, joy it is a quality and not simply an emotion grounded upon God Himself. And this is the kind of joy that God wants to give us. Supernatural joy so we can face the difficult times that we go in life. Supernatural joy. Consider it pure joy. Now, brothers and sisters, this is so hard to understand. Because God is asking me to have joy in the middle of the difficult time that I'm going through. In the middle of my sickness, in the middle of losing that family member that just passed away, in the middle of whatever bad circumstance you are going through, God is asking you joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And this is the, the, the beauty of Greek, because the word many kinds come from the Greek multicolor, different colors. What God is trying to tell us here is that in life, we will face trials of many colors, of many kinds. And just to give you a few examples, a trial of color green. You might have a close friend or relative that just got tested positive for coronavirus. A trial of color red, of the color red. You might have a neighbor that is currently fighting anxiety as a consequence of not having a normal social life. A trial of color black, of the color black. Maybe someone in your family, a relative, just passed away. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face all these different colors of trials. Not only one, many. 
One important thing also we have to understand and learn about trials is that trials come without a warning. In other words, trials don't show up on Tuesday and knock the door of your house. Excuse me, can I come in? Trials come with, come without a warning. And a wonderful illustration we found in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. It says, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. My question is, do you think this man that was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho was expecting these robbers to come and beat him and almost kill him? No. He was not expecting the same way, my beloved. Trials come without a warning. So that was my point number one. Point number two, God helps us on trials. Verses three and four. If you have your Bibles, verse three says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, because you know. From the word, again, I have to go back because there's so much beauty in the Greek. From the word in Greek, gnosko. In other words, knowing that there is a purpose of God in the midst of the trials that we are going through. Now, I'm going to share a personal story here because I have learned that God has a purpose of every trial in my life. About a couple years ago, a couple, maybe six or seven years ago, my mom passed away with cancer. I grew up in a non-Christian family. I was the first in my family to profess faith in Christ as my Lord and Savior. My dad was a professor of philosophy, an atheist, but my mom had cancer for seven years. And it was so sad to see my mom. She received, I think, about 15 stitches a head. It was so sad. What I'm going to tell you becomes from a son that really loved my mom. And I know she's with the Lord now. But let me tell you, God used my mom's cancer to soften my dad's cancer. Because I remember when I became a Christian years ago, my dad used to not even allow me to pray. He was really upset that I became a Christian. And he rejected everything about my faith. But as I mom, my mom, as I as I my mom went through cancer, God softened his heart. Nowadays, when we go to visit my family in Ecuador, she's a different person. She's not a Christian yet, but God has softened his heart. Now, when we are there, she even allowed me to pray. Sometimes she even asked me to pray, and I believe it's because she has seen Christ being fleshed out in our lives. God has a purpose of every trial. And we have to remember these four important things in every trial. Number one, remember, God has a purpose in everything. But we have to remember these four things. We are going through that difficult time or trial, number one, according to God's plan. It's not a surprise. Like the coronavirus, like this pandemic. It's not a surprise for God. So when you are going to face a trial, it's not a surprise for God. You are 
through that difficult time and this very moment according to God's plan. Number two, on the future. God has promised to take care of you and not leave you alone. Number three, on His experience. In other words, He wants you to learn something. And I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, there is no university for a Christian like that of sorrow and trial. If you think carefully, when do you learn the most in your Christian life? When things are normal or when things are going difficult, when there are difficult times in your life? And number four, remember, according to God's plan, under His care, in His school, and number four, for the amount of time that He has given you. In other words, He's in control. He's sovereign. He controls everything. Nothing is a surprise for God. I love Proverbs 19.21 that says, Many are the plans in the mind of the man, of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God's in control. And then He said, I'm in control, but also don't forget my love for you Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. I don't know what is happening in your life this morning, this week. But it says here, The Lord, for the Lord your God goes with you. And remember this beautiful promise now. He will never leave you. happening in our lives, and He promised to be with us. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I love another quote of Charles Spurgeon says, by perseverance is nailed with the ark. The word perseverance gives us the idea that if it's raining now, and instead of me trying to run and go where it's not raining, I will stay there. Because I know once God gives me supernatural joy in the midst of the difficult time I'm going through, if I stay here, I will learn what God is trying to teach me through that difficult time. But if I run away and I don't want to stay in that trial, what is going to happen? And another time, God will use another difficult time in order to teach you what you don't want to learn before. So it's better for us to stay there and learn. I know it's hard. But God has a purpose why He's allowing that in our life. Now, verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what is the goal again here? Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature. In other words, God wants us to grow, to become more like Christ. This world cannot provide love, peace, joy, hope. But when we are fleshing out this supernatural joy, this peace, this love, people will see the difference. Remember, the world cannot provide that. Only Christ himself crucified 
Jesus' body, Jesus' church, and providing hope, joy, peace to this world. Trials are divine appointments, remember, to help us grow so we can become like Jesus. Verse 5, my third point, God's help in the midst of trials. If you have your Bible there, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When we think about the context of trials, what is very clear here? If any of you lacks wisdom in the, in the context of trials, if we don't know why this is happening, what we need to do? Go to our knees and say, God, here you're asking me to ask for wisdom, so I want to ask you wisdom to understand the purpose of what is this happening in my life. Now, we have to remember, beloved, that our God is not like those angry teachers that after we as a student ask one, two, three times, they get so upset with us. No, because it says here, you should ask God what he will be mad with you because you ask so many times. It says here, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So my beloved, no matter what difficult time you are facing today, Let's ask God for wisdom to help us to understand. God, what do you want me to learn? I want to learn. And I want to become more like you. Thank you for this difficult time. But I know it's for my good. And finally, my final point. Trials are one of God's ways to share His love. Now, you have, when you're watching a movie, how many of you like to watch movies? I like, oh, I'm glad all of you are just like me. Thank you. <laughs> I like to watch movies. You know, you're watching the movie, and then you are close to the end, and then you're just thinking, how is it going to finish? You know, you say anything. You want to know what will be the end of the movie. The same is here. We have watched the whole thing weird and the last part, and this is the exciting part, because if... We let the supernatural joy control our life in the midst of the difficult time that we are going through. This is what is going to happen. Let me read to you a quote from Horatius Bonner. He said, Our power in drawing men to Christ springs chiefly from the fullness of our personal joy in Him and the nearness of our personal communion with Him. A ministry of power must be a fruit of a holy, peaceful, loving intimacy with the Lord. Let me repeat just the first part. Our power in drawing men to Christ springs chiefly from the fullness of our personal joy in Him. So as we flesh out this supernatural joy, what is joy? What is going to happen? Your life is going to provoke questions. And the brave one is not going to be you going to your neighbor's house. Can I tell you about Jesus? The, neighbor, the, the brave one is going to be your neighbor coming to you because after seeing you going through that difficult time, maybe you lost 
someone that you love so dearly, but it's still you're fleshing out joy. Maybe you're going through a difficult time nowadays, but you still are fleshing out peace. So your neighbor will come to you and say, First Peter 3, 13 to 15 give us the answer. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And verse 15, I'm reading First Peter 3, 15. It says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, brothers and sisters, what is happening here, how do we honor Christ, the Lord, as holy? When we are fleshing out this supernatural joy, we are honoring Christ as the Lord. And you know what? What is going to happen? Here is giving us the answer. Always, you will be prepared. If you're doing that, you will be prepared to make a defense to anyone, your neighbor, your co-worker, your family member that is not a Christian. You're feeling Jesus in you, the fruits of the Spirit, and they will ask questions, and you will be prepared to make a defense. What a blessing. So this is the end of the movie. This is how it ends, with excitement. Because it's not only about going through difficult times, about trials, which all of us will go in life. But when we have learned that trials are God's appointments, so to help us grow and become like Jesus, then what is going to happen? Those that are around us that don't know Christ, 